Good morning. It is Thursday. I say good morning. I don't know when you guys are listening to this. Good morning, whatever time it is. <laughs> you know, I digress this early, but I usually say good morning at night anyway. So why does it matter to me? I don't know. I don't know why people get so confused, by the way, if you say good morning to them at 7, 7 p.m. Just roll with it. Locked on Wolverines podcast. Uh, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. Uh, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. Uh, publisher of Wolverine's Wire, through USA Today Sports Media Group. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, today's a question and answer day, as it is every Thursday, and I have to admit, I am a little disappointed in you guys. Yeah, you brought it in numbers, but you brought the same questions, like, what? Half of them were the same question. Which, okay, I understand you're not looking through to see who's asked questions or whatever. Uh, really, there were two questions that were asked over and over and over again. And then you had all the joke questions, which I don't know if I should be, like, annoyed that I had to scroll through a bunch of joke questions or if I should be proud. Because I feel like that's the type of thing that I should be embracing and putting out there in the world is comedy not being serious about whatever so yeah nonetheless we do have some serious questions here and we're gonna get to that in just a moment what i am gonna do is i am going to unfortunately i'm not gonna read everybody's names on air that asked a question like i normally do because there were so many that were just the same i'm not gonna just go through and read it we're not gonna waste everybody's time this is gonna be a shorter podcast as a result but we're gonna get to the meat of it I will answer a couple that are kind of tangents off the same questions throughout this show. But uh, nonetheless, let's uh, let's get into the two questions, first and foremost, that are asked the most. Number one, what is the news on who's going to replace Al Washington and Greg Madison? And number one, I also have to admit, I think you guys are a little crazy to think that, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've had it this whole time. All right, here on the podcast, by the way, they're, uh, yep, here you go. Boom, boom. Uh, my sources have been relatively quiet uh, throughout the process, which is not uncommon. So the only thing I have to offer you is look and see who everybody's following. Media people. That's it. Look and see see what the trend is. Who's a bunch of media people following? There's only one name in there. And I don't know anything from anything, to be honest. Sources haven't indicated anything to me. I'm just saying. Sometimes you can read the tea leaves that way. So, uh, so yeah. Check that out. One person I can tell you that is not joining the staff. Definitively. Because I, I heard that there was a rumor going around that Lane Kiffin was in talks to join Michigan staff on the offensive side of the ball. That he was going to leave the FAU as the head coach and come to Michigan. I can definitively tell you from a very, very, very good source close to uh, close to the non-Michigan side of things that that is not happening. You can read in between the lines there. Uh, as far as who I talk to. But, uh, yeah, it's not 
Lane Kiffin is staying at FAU from what I'm told. Um, at least not coming to Michigan. Let me put it that way. He's not coming to Michigan. Um, anyway. Uh, so that is the number one. Number two, people ask, what is, what are the, the, the gifts about from Matt Dudek and Sharon Moore? And I, I don't have an answer for that. Could it, it, I think it's more coaching related. Here's the thing. People want to buy into that. It's recruiting related. We'll get into that a little bit earlier. Matt Dudek has the same gift he uses every time when it's a recruit. Ralph Wiggum waving. Every time. This was not Ralph Wiggum waving. So, you know, we, we'll get, you know, we'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. But uh, I checked in with uh, one person somewhat close to the situation, and at that point they said there's nothing done yet. They're just doing what they're doing. You know, which would make also make sense, considering how people are talking about the program right now. From a PR optic standpoint, giving cause for excitement. Granted, there will be cause for excitement soon when they make these hires. They're not going to make slouch hires. So, yeah. Nonetheless. Um, that is that. Like, there's nothing really to report as of yet. When there is, we'll have it. Um... Whether we're first or we're last, if you, but, you know, if you ain't first, you last anyway. But uh, we'll we'll certainly have have the details as they become available. So that's that. Uh, all right, moving on to the questions. We're gonna start with uh, again. I need to come up with a name for the people who do this every single show, like the Smack Pack on uh, Mark Packer show on uh, SiriusXM. I'll figure it out, but. Uh, for now, uh, the I guess known friends and trusted agents. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what you are. We're gonna start today with James Crudup at James Crudup six. He says, knowing Nick Saban's factory style approach versus Dabo's family approach, what style do you think Harbaugh leans towards, and does that play into the high overturn of coaches? I think Harbaugh's right down the middle, and don't, don't, uh, don't buy fully into the Dabo family approach, right? It's still a factory approach. It's still very much, I mean, it, it has more of a family type deal. I mean, when you got Wilkins, is that his name coming back, uh, you know, for his senior year when he didn't have to and everything, I would say as far as recruiting is concerned, he does not necessarily have a family approach. It is very much the same as Alabama. Uh, maybe the on field and behind the scenes, it's a little bit more of a family approach and Nick Saban's not exactly going to be your dad, you know, uh, Harbaugh is somewhere in between. I, I would say, I mean, he's not necessarily fully approachable. Like he talked about this last offseason, how he how he had started to try to become more approachable to the players. But he's not necessarily fully approachable either. Uh, and I don't think it plays into the high overturn of coaches at all for, for Michigan. I think the high overturn, for the most part, this year being an anomaly, most of the time, the guys that are moving on are either moving on because Michigan didn't want them back or they were moving on to something bigger and better. Let's go back to the beginning of Jim Harbaugh in that era. Uh, you look at the start. It was the first year they lost DJ Durkin, who went to become a head coach at Maryland. They lost Greg Jackson, who decided to go back to the NFL. 
Uh, after that year, I mean, you pretty much brought the band back together, except for Jed Fish, who went on from being a pass game coordinator, playing second fiddle to Greg Madison, it's not Greg Madison, sorry, Tim Drevno, to going and becoming the bona fide offensive coordinator of UCLA. Um, trying to remember who else they lost there. After that, Brian Smith, safeties coach to, uh, to become the defensive coordinator of Rice. Uh, Tyrone Wheatley to become the running backs coach of Jacksonville. Granted, he came from the, the NFL and went back to the NFL. I think that was a mutual decision uh, for Wheatley to leave Michigan and Michigan apart from Wheatley, which is a shame because I think Wheatley is one of the best. And I'm excited to find out where he lands next. I, you know, I'm really, really excited to see what what happens post Jacksonville. I know there's something in in the plans that hasn't come to fruition. It has nothing to do with Michigan, to my knowledge. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what happens with Wheatley after that. But nonetheless, until this year, most of the time it was like leaving for either a lateral job to the NFL or a promotion in the in the college football sphere. There was only one instance in which there that wasn't the case, and that was Al Washington taking a lateral move, essentially, to Ohio State. But he has the Ohio State tie, so it shouldn't be surprising either. So I don't think it has anything to do with the high overturned coaches. Uh, moving on, Jason Howlett at Howlett Jason B. What is the estimated size of the 2020 recruiting class and the biggest position needs? That is way too early for me to answer because I can tell you very affirmatively, I do not really start paying much attention to the next year's class until signing day is in the books. I don't, I've just never been wired to look that far ahead too much. It's just been kind of the thing. Um, but, uh, and I especially don't, one of the things I had learned from Steve Lorenz was don't pay attention too much to class size because they'll, they'll figure out how to make it work, whatever they want to do. There's always going to be attrition. There's always going to be different things. And, you know, you got to figure going in by the 2020 class, like, you, you got to figure, like, there's going to be some early departures. There's going to be some departures for, like, you know, I would imagine, like, a guy, this is just speculative, like, a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably going to go to the NFL after next year. Maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't. But you got to figure that there's going to be guys like that that can go, that will go. So that's one of the reasons why I just don't even bother to look at the size. I don't bother to look at the size ever, period. Because they're generally, with the exception of 2018, where I was only kind of somewhat paying attention because it was like, they really are getting low on space it's really difficult to really figure out, but it's especially more difficult to figure out right now because you don't know who's going to be offered back to come back. Who's going to leave early. There's always attrition that you never know about. That's the type of stuff that maybe like in the spring, maybe I will start paying attention. If you guys care enough to know, I just don't care enough to know myself because I just know that they'll figure it out. However they want to, if there's guys that they want, they're going to figure out how to bring them in. That's the long and short of it. Uh, to finish out the known friends and trusted agents, AJ Catharopoulos, AJK4UM. Is Harbs figuring this out or is he reeling? Well, he's definitely figuring it out. I think there's a, there's a misconception that started after the Ohio State game that he is hiding from the media. But the case, the fact of the matter is, now he didn't have one press conference that he was expected to have, and that was on early signing day. But that's it. Like, he's not hiding not reeling he's out figuring things out they were on vacation all week last week 
Um, all of the coaches, they were either on vacation or at the coaches convention in San Antonio. And like a lot of people keep on acting like, well, he's hiding because he's not saying anything. No, he never says anything at this point in the year. It just doesn't happen. We, we don't get press conferences with him anytime any little thing happens. It doesn't work that way at Michigan, at least. So he's figuring it out. It's uh, the stuff that's happening behind the scenes is happening behind the scenes. There's a reason why you don't hear a lot of the stuff. They like to keep things relatively quiet until things have officially coalesced. So they're not going to comment on losing guys either, especially to Ohio State. Figuring it out. Be patient. It'll happen. All of this, you know, there was a couple people that mentioned like, oh, can you give me some good news in here? Whatever. I'm Like, it's all going to turn around. By the time spring ball comes around, everyone's going to be fine, right? Everyone's going to be absolutely like, they're going to forget half of this stuff once spring ball is actually happening. Happens every year, especially when you lose games at the end that you don't want to lose. All right. Uh, wow, that went way longer than I thought it would, and that's good. We're going to have a full show. Uh, coming up next, more of your questions. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, right back into your question, starting with George D. DiGilio, J, uh, G.D. DiGilio. Though there's still tons of time left for a flip, do you think Chris Hinton possibly being upset with the loss of Madison hurt Michigan's chances with Miles, especially now that he committed to Stanford only days after naming a top two of Michigan and Stanford? Love the show. Uh, no, I do not think that has anything to do with it. Um, I could have told you, and we considered writing something about two months ago, about how it seemed that Miles's preference was Stanford. I don't know how widely that was out there. And it was actually, I believe it was Evan Petzold, my recruiting writer, that told me, if I'm not mistaken, because I was like, well, Miles Stanford, that's a shoe-in to come to Michigan. Or Miles Hinton, that's a shoe-in to come to Michigan, especially with Chris here. And I was, was informed, no, it's most likely going to be Stanford. Uh... I just don't think that was widely out there, and that didn't help the perception that it was a big swing and a miss. Like, this was one that has been trending to Stanford for a very, very long time. So, no, I don't think it hurt Michigan's chances. Hinton being upset with Madison, I believe it was Partridge that was primarily recruiting the Hintons, if I'm not mistaken, and I very well could be. So, no, I, I don't think it has anything to do with it. I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, here's one of the rare coaching questions. Well, there are a couple of coaching questions, but pretty much those are all coaching at this point. Uh, Wolvie Blue at Wolvie Blue asks, is Pep still expected to leave? I I don't know is kind of the thing. Like, and I've been saying this on the podcast for a while. Um, he hasn't been fired. And he hasn't been let go yet. 
He hasn't resigned. He's still on the staff. And nowhere did I see anything that said that that he was definitely leaving. Like, okay, I understand he went to the Green Bay Packers game, Detroit Lions game, whatever. Green Bay didn't even have a new head coach yet. So he probably wasn't going to be hired there yet. Could they be asking him to look around? They very well could be. I don't know. But he's still on the staff, and for me, it just seems like it's been a lot of wishful thinking by the fan base to be like, well, Pep Hamilton's leaving, and I keep on getting one of the questions I ignored most is, who's our next offensive coordinator going to be? It's like, well, they don't have one right now, and they didn't have one all year, and there's no openings that have come up on the offensive side of the staff. So, I'm, you know, there's really no way to conjure anything up out of thin air. Pep Hamilton is still on the staff as of current. Could that change? Assuredly. Will that change? I don't know. So that's, I'm sorry, like I don't really have an answer for you there. Like, but I don't think expected to leave was ever really truly a a thing, right? Like, could he? It, it certainly could happen and I would not be anywhere close to shocked. Will he? whether it be of his own volition or being asked to move on by the staff. I just don't know. Brian, AKA B Evans at Mr. Underscore business 23. Do you think we would benefit from adding NFL coaches? Um, I mean, Michigan's had both and the results have been both. <laughs> it's been good and bad in many ways. Listen, I think that, if that, that NFL coach that comes in has college experience, I think that's perfect. A guy who can that knows the landscape of recruiting, that can go and, you know, also be like, listen, I did things at the highest level in the NFL. I think that's the best case scenario, really. Something tells me that there's uh, someone that they're looking at in that vein. Uh, Matthew Lounsbury at M Lounsbury thirty four thirty four candidates for Jim Harbaugh to hire to replace Madison and Washington. That is not the part I'm answering because we've already gotten through that. Did those two have anything to do with Michigan losing out on Zach Harrison? No, those two had everything to do with Zach Harrison considering Michigan. There's a bunch of dumb rumors out there. Like there was one rumor that I read that said. Al Washington already knew he was going to Ohio State, and he was on the sidelines uh, hand-signaling the plays over to Urban Meyer, which is all great, except for Al Washington coaches from the press box. At least he did for Michigan last year. Like, come on, people. Um, I'm not yelling at you, Matthew. I'm yelling at the rumors out there that maybe, you know, conjure these types of questions not yours necessarily but no they didn't have anything to do with losing uh losing out on zach harrison we we told you already what happened there there's not like some extra primer here to make you like make it like oh now it makes sense greg madison told him he was coming to ohio state so that's why he didn't choose no it was i said all along hates urban meyer with a fiery passion wanted to go to michigan with a fiery passion, mom wanted him to go to Ohio State. Urban Meyer's gone. Mom wins out. 
ends up at Ohio State. It's that simple. He wanted to go to Michigan. I was told that from one of the one of the people that was close to his recruitment that when he informed Michigan, he basically let them know like, hey, this is not exactly what I wanted to do. So it's that is what it is. Uh, finishing out the segment, Mark Bond at Bond M33. Who do you think Michigan's breakout player will be in 2019? Um, that one is an excellent question. I could spend a whole show on that, and I very well might tomorrow. Um, but there's uh, – I mean, it's difficult because the obvious answer, I, I think, in many ways would be uh, Tariq Black because – He's got the talent, the skill, and he just hasn't been healthy. So I, I think Tariq Black would be the easy answer there. But oof, there's so many other guys. Um, next on my list would probably be Luigi Villain, a guy who was a borderline five-star, high, high four-star, had two corrective surgeries from injuries sustained in high school, and now actually has four years of eligibility left. Granted, not expecting him to stay all four years from what I was told, but... I, I think Villain can be a guy that can really surprise some people. Uh, Donovan Jeter, I think, is a guy that's going to have to step in. I mean, I know they already have Dwayne Ford and Kemp, but Donovan Jeter, I think, like with when it comes to their rotation and all of that kind of stuff, is going to be a guy that's going to step up and look really good on that side of the ball. Uh, Jordan Anthony is a guy that I think that has the talent and the ability and that could come in and do some big things in that light. Same thing with Cam McGrone, who I like like into being a – Devin Bush style player after having seen him in high school, um, staying on defense. I mean, Ambry Thomas, I don't know if that's considered breakout, but I mean, the dude is going to have to step up now that, uh, he's likely going to be a starting opposite Levert Hill. Um, obvious answer to safety, Daxon Hill, uh, on the other side of the ball, I think Zach Charbonnet is going to be, I think he has a chance to become a starter. No offense to Chris Evans or, um, Christian Turner or Hassan Haskins, but I think that uh, he possesses some special ability at the running back position. Um, we've already seen Nick Eubanks break out a little bit. He'll break out more. Um, adding to that, I think you'll see some Luke Schoenmacher and uh, and Mustafa Muhammad. I think both of them are going to be really good. Maybe we'll just do a whole show tomorrow. We'll see on it. Uh, we still haven't lined up that guest that we were supposed to have lined up. So uh, anyway. I hope that I know that was a broad answer. If I was to have to put money on somebody, it'd be Tariq Black and then the field. But I think all of those guys I mentioned are going to play really, really well this next year. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education and earns more than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. All right. Closing out with a couple basketball questions um, as best I can. Uh, relatively new to the basketball beat. Um, I mean, I was at a lot. I was at most of the press conferences. I was at most of the home games last year but I was uh, primarily photo, photo video. Now, getting more involved, having to pay more attention than I was, 
Uh, so apologies if I'm not always spot on when it comes to basketball. And I know we are going to be getting way more into basketball once football not wraps up, but gets closer to not having as much to talk about while basketball is more. So uh, another known friend and trusted agent, Josh Barr at Jadaki. Timeline on Liver's return and how much does rotation change when he does if Johns keeps up that level of play he showed against Indiana. John's going to end up more of a, as Teske's relief, or will they be in the lineup at the same time to go big? Um, well, like Beeline said last week about John's uh, on Sundays, like, hey, if he keeps on playing like that, we can't keep him out of the lineup. So that's that's a good good news situation. That's a good problem to have. Um, I think he could end up being Teske's relief uh, a little bit, or they could, you know, he come in for he come in for Iggy, come in for. Uh, 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 Charles, he could come in. I mean, they, 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 they've already shown a propensity to have quite a few different lineups. Like we've seen like a three guard, you know, two forward. We've seen a center forward, three guards. We've seen all kinds of different lineups from, from them. If he's really, really, you know, can continue to do what he's doing, they'll see him on the court more likely than not. Uh, as far as Livers' return, they're hoping that he'll come back today so that he didn't have the same kind of pain that he had the recent in recent days. That was from Beeline uh, in his press conference yesterday. So uh, they expect him to be back, to hopefully, tonight against Illinois, uh, at Illinois, barring something unexpected, unforeseen. So fingers crossed there. And to finish us out, Alex Fuller at Big Al Full 54. What are the odds that we lose Iggy, Matthews, and Poole to the draft? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, right now, I would guess you probably don't lose any. That's just my guess. Um, Matthews is in his fourth year. I mean, I feel like there's a good chance. I, I think if you have a chance to like one of them to go. It would probably be him. Pool, I feel like will need another year. That. Uh, but things can change. Remember, Mitch McGarry wasn't even considered uh, a guy that uh, was like a viable dude until like he didn't go to the draft. Right. That for after that first year. But he was considered to be like a first to second rounder. I guess that's the draft. But uh, he was considered to be a, a draftable candidate after that his freshman year. But he didn't really start playing until the tournament. Sometimes that happens. So, I don't know. I'm not really a draft nick when it comes to basketball. I guess I will have to force myself to become more of one to answer questions like these. But I don't think, like, I think Iggy has still got a lot of room to grow. I think he's got to be at least a two-year player. I don't see him as a one-and-done. Jordan Poole, I feel like, has still got a lot in his game to work on. But I think he's coming into something. But, you know, honestly, all of this could be rendered moot with, like, from here forward. They could all play amazing, and they could all go. So, Hard to say. For the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me at Isaiah Hole online, both at uh, Twitter, Instagram, or on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at on Wolverines, Wolverines Wire, at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a feature sponsor on the show, please email me at lockdownwolverines at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, or online at wolverineswire.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.